So we're doing monthly through the end of the year, and then we're hoping to go weekly by February. So there's opportunity to get involved in a Friday night team um, to make that happen. You know, when we were doing Friday nights before, we took a little pause on those. I mean, we had people from all over the region coming to experience what God was doing here, and it was awesome. And we just feel um, excitement and anticipation um, for what Holy Spirit's up to with Friday nights. Um, last weekend, Wendy and I were in Winston-Salem. I think you guys heard from Amanda Leah. Amanda Leah may be small, but she's powerful. Can I get an amen? It's awesome. Really good. If you weren't here, we've been in this Tipping Point series, and you know she talked about being led by the Spirit and how as sons and daughters that are led by the Spirit, there's a tipping point that happens in that process that releases something within the body of Christ that can't be stopped. And I think that's... that's one of our primary aims here is to be sensitive and led by the Spirit of God in our lives, not just on a Sunday service like this in a time of worship, but throughout the week, right? 24-7, 365, to be sensitive to what God is saying to us. And if you didn't, if you didn't listen to that message, you weren't here, check it out on the mobile app. It's on our website. Um, really, really good. I loved everything about what she had to say. And it's so awesome to see a teaching team here that, that is built around Jesus, and, and he's saying incredible, credible things to us. We were in Winston-Salem. I think you guys know that there was a young couple that Wendy and I were mentoring, and uh, the, the girl uh, had cancer. She got, she got uh, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Um, Whitney, she was a worship leader at her father's church in Winston-Salem, and then she passed away. And so we were able to have the privilege and honor to speak at her memorial. And then her dad asked me, hey, I'm going to be taking eight weeks off. Would you come up and, and minister to our community? And guys, it was really something on what happened on that Sunday. It was very, very significant and powerful. And isn't that so cool that we as a house get to support other communities in Norway this morning, the nation and around the world. And so I even have some friends from Norway this morning. Would you guys raise your hands and give a shout out to Norway in the house? I was with them in their church a year or so ago, and, and they um, were on a cruise, and then they were up in Fort uh, Myers, and they came all the way back here just for service today. Isn't that awesome? So Norway, come on. Amazing country. God's doing amazing things over there with these friends and, and their church and their church community. So we're going to continue this morning. I, I really feel something on what I'm going to bring to you today, and I actually don't have hardly any notes. I'm going to really just kind of flow from the heart, so I'm, I'm saying, Lord, please don't let me say something that I shouldn't say. <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about what I want to communicate today in this Tipping Point series. We've been seeing how a tipping point is a critical point in a process. Everybody say process. That's what the Christian life is all about. It's a process, okay? It's a critical point in the process beyond which a significant and often unstoppable effect or change takes place. And so we've been looking at this. We've been looking at unity first week, discipleship last week, led by the Spirit. And today we're going to look at a faith that works. A faith that that works. And where I got that just in my spirit was, remember there's that verse that says faith without works is what? Now you guys know us here and the message that we preach, we don't come at our walk with God from our own ability or our own strength. We come at it by the working of the Spirit, by the grace of God, right? 
But in that grace, there should be the manifestation of a faith with works, or another way of saying it, a faith that works. Where it's not just theology and theory and, and, and lofty land. And so I want to just kind of translate Monday through Saturday. And so I want to just kind of explore that today a little bit with you. And I'm going to do so by looking at two portions of Scripture, Matthew chapter 9, Matthew chapter 20. And we're just going to, by the grace of God, get into a flow this morning. And I pray the Holy Spirit would, would reveal to us the mysteries of the Word of God. So look with me at Matthew chapter 9. I'm just going to read this and then we're just going to see what the Lord would have for us today. Matthew chapter 9 verse 35 Jesus was traveling throughout all the towns and villages, teaching in the synagogues, much like what's kind of happening here this morning. And he was announcing the good news of the kingdom, and it says that he healed every kind of sickness and illness. But when he was doing this and he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Look at this with me. Because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he turns to his disciples in this moment, and he says, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. Now, I know we've heard this portion of scripture, but I'm going to ask by the grace of the Lord that you would look at it through a little bit different lens this morning, as God would give us grace to see and to ears to hear. When Wendy and I were, were transitioning um, Gosh, now it's been almost 20 years ago now um, to move from where we were living in Birmingham, Alabama, down to Dallas, Texas, to go to Bible school, which is a whole long story that I just don't have time to give you the context for fully. Um, I thought that I was going to learn some things about the Bible and then hear about some opportunities that my gifting could be. Um, used in maybe in some way to bring fulfillment to my life and to glorify God, which is totally true, totally the case. Um, but there was something about the journey there in Dallas, Texas that I didn't quite understand until really more recent. When we first got there, I noticed that they would systematically bring in every single week different people that represented different ministry expressions in the earth. And so, you know, year one, we were exposed to so many things, so many people, so many beautiful, uh, you know, ministries that were doing great things all around the world. And I had a good friend at the time, Wendy and I, that every single week when one of these ministries would come through, he'd be like, Darren, man, maybe that's what we need to do when we graduate. And so that was one week, and then two weeks, and then 10 weeks, and then 20, and year one, and then we rolled into year two, and, and after a while, I just said, I won't say his name, I was like, bro, like, not, don't say one more time, that should be the ministry that we should be a part of. And to be honest, I was in the presence of God, I was actually unraveling, really, in a healthy, beautiful way, where God was getting to some deep, deep parts of my heart which now I see was the ultimate agenda that he had for me in that time, in that season. It really wasn't about all of the ministries and the opportunities as much as it was about what he was doing on the inside of me. The inner work of God. 
And what was strange was by the end of the time, by the end of our two down there with all the plans and all the things I thought that I was going to do, and by the end of our two years, right as it was coming to the crescendo, I really felt like, you know, man, I didn't have any more of a clue of, of what I was to do. In fact, less of a clue than when I went there. And it was very disillusioning on the, on the front end of, of, of all of this. And, and, and now I'm looking back and I'm like, oh God, I, I really see what you were up to. Well, right about the end of our time, there was um, a guy that came in to speak, and he didn't talk about ministry at all, actually. He talked about the presence of God, and Jesus, and all of a sudden, the grace of the Lord blew in on that campus, and classes were shut down for about two weeks, and in the middle of that time is when I got called out, and, and the Lord actually spoke through him to me about this very church. I'd never been to South Florida in my life, and he points at me, and he said, one day, you're going to be a part of an influential, and I need you to hear this word because it's going to tie into what I'm going to say, an influential community of believers in a southern gateway city of the United States. We ended up, a few of my friends, meeting on Tuesday nights after this move of God hit, and we would just spend time together in the presence of the Lord and pray. And about a month in, and this is probably one month before graduation, the Lord showed up, and, and, and as I say this, I need to just qualify, this was, was an experience that I'd never had before and I haven't had since. So as I say this, this was not the norm, it isn't the norm for me, I don't think it's the norm for most believers, which is okay. I had this encounter with God, with my friends, where I began to see the faces of people and I knew that they were laborers for God. I knew that they were people that were going to do good works for the Lord in the earth and that they were actually alive on the planet. And the faces of these ones begin to flash before me. And I was wondering, are all my friends seeing what I'm seeing right now? Which was amazing. It happened just to be me. And they were flashing before me as fast as my eyes could see, which was amazing, which was powerful, which was awesome. It was, it was incredible. But what was even more inspiring was the heart of the Father that I felt for these ones that I was seeing. In fact, the longer the, 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 the faces kept flashing before me, the stronger I perceived the heart of God for these ones. Much like what Julio was talking about this morning in the close of worship, that God sent his son so that we could have this eternal life, not just in the future, but now. And I felt that for these ones, and it broke me to where I literally collapsed on the floor. And subconsciously, out of my mouth, came this statement where I said, Father, if you would enable me, I will put as many of them into, I didn't have any other language for it, full-time ministry as I can, by the grace of God with my life. And there was this whole... Um, theme that was kind of surrounding all of this and it was the word light and then as I was thinking about you know um, he was the light of the world and he came into the world and the darkness could not overcome him and all these kind of things that you know we are also the light of the world that 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 that, that have now been empowered all that kind of stuff was coming to my mind and when I thought about the word light all of a sudden it just came to me laborers in God's harvest time just just like that. And I wrote it down. And out of that actually birthed this ministry that Wendy and I began two years later, officially. 
And that's where it all started. And it was all preparation for, I believe, what we are a part of here today. And it was in that moment and that encounter where something was set in motion, a tipping point really in my heart, that I didn't even actually realize fully all that was happening in me until now. God was establishing within the church his heart for his people. When we came here to plant the church, as soon as we got down here, interestingly enough, the Lord said, I want you to put that ministry aside. I want you to let it go. And I want you to focus on what I've put before you, this church plant. And for 10 years, 10 years, God cultivated within me the full maturity or as much as I could get in that time from that encounter that I had in 1997. For 10 years, I could tell you stories of what God would do to get my attention, to, to teach me things as a father about his love for people and how to, how to be that to these ones that God was given to us. I was with the worship team last night and I was, I was talking to them about the prayer of Jesus in John chapter 17 where he says to the Father, he says, I don't pray for the entire world, which is amazing to me, the thought of that, because he was fully divine, but he was totally human, and he knew that he had limited capacity. He said, I can't pray for the entire world, but what I can pray for is the ones that you've given to me, the ones that you've put into my life and me into their lives. And he said, I, I pray for them. And that's what the Lord was teaching me. Like, Lord, I, don't, I, can't, I can't change the entire world. I can't affect everybody in this region, but the ones that you put before me, God, I want to love them, and I want to love them well. And this went on for 10 years, and by the end of it, God had so gripped my heart for people, man. I, I, I actually took another extreme. I kind of maxed out on my capacity. I didn't, I didn't have balance, really, because I'm an all-or-nothing kind of guy. I was just all about the love of the Lord for people, and I maxed. I hit a wall, which has a whole other teaching for another time. But what I want to do is I want to show you, as we go back into these verses, I want to show you what I believe I, I've, I've seen as a threefold progression of maturity that's revealed here for the church in Matthew chapter 9. Because it's going to show us doing in, in the earth right Faith that can work if we listen and see and hear what God is doing in, in the earth right now. Look with me at the, at the first portion that I want to show you, beginning in verse 35. It says that Jesus traveled throughout all the towns and villages in the area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom, and he healed every kind of disease and illness. I want you to think of this as like the top of a funnel. I think that meetings like this, times of equipping, are legitimate. They've been happening for 2,000 years, and trust me, if Jesus tarries, in some form or fashion, they'll be happening in the 2,000 more that could come if the Lord says, I'm going to wait, right? I don't believe that's the case, but if he were to tarry, I believe that gatherings will continue to happen in some sort of fashion. And the Lord was teaching, and he was bringing truth and revelation about the kingdom, and then out of his essence, he was bringing healing to many, many people's lives. And I think that's beautiful. But what I want to submit to you is that I think that that kind of a setting at the top of the funnel, really what it does is brings people into a setting where we can level the playing field. Because have you ever been like, 
having just a really rough week or you just needed some insight and then you come into a meeting like this, experience worship like we did this morning, hear a teaching from the word of the Lord and all that stuff, that monkey that was on your back just gets diminished and gets leveled. It's like, it's, like a, it's like, man, you were just under it. And then by the grace of God, as you gathered together with other believers, you did not forsake that moment. You came and you gathered together. There was a, there was a, a spirit grace on that time that leveled the playing field that was against you in your walk with the Lord. I think there's something beautiful about that. But here's the thing that we also need to realize. It doesn't necessarily guarantee just coming and being in a meeting like this, that you're going to have a faith that actually works. There's, there's, there's so much more that God wants to do once he levels the playing field, once he gets us stabilized, once he, the second part here, encouragement and refreshment to our life, he wants to take us on to the next level. And that's when you see the second part here in verse 36, it says, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. I want to ask us a question. Do we really see other people? You know, in that vision, I thought, what happened in 1997, I thought, wow, Lord, I really see people. And here you are showing me this vision and my heart's being melted. But for 10 years, he actually needed to teach me Give me instruction as a father on how to really see people, if you can hear what I'm saying. So much so now, it's like I have to really focus. Last night, we were after the communion night with the worship team, Wendy and I went out, and it was kind of loud in the one area that we were sitting. We eventually moved, but while I was there, I was people watching. Anybody else a professional people watcher like myself? And... Man, I, don't, I can't explain it, but when I watch people, especially in a setting like we were in at this restaurant, I, I just can see things. And I can see the pain. I can see the loneliness. I can see all of the stuff that's kind of going on in them. I told Wendy that one guy in particular caught my attention. He was sitting at this bar area, probably in his late 20s, early 30s, and he was just eating by himself. And I said, man... He just was so lonely that he needed to come to a, a place like this just to feel like he had people around him. And I could overhear him saying that he was from um, Nebraska and he had just been moving down here like a year ago, but, but he didn't really have a whole lot of friends. And man, there was, there was compassion. I'm sitting just trying to enjoy my evening with my wife, which, which I just said, Lord, I, I can't see all these things. I just let me focus on her. The, the 16th learning that's in me now because of what God has done in that encounter and over the, the, the 16 plus years now where he's given me by the grace of God an ability to see other people. I think sometimes we so have our eyes on ourselves that we forget to take a look around us and see what's going on in other people's lives. So Jesus saw the crowds. And he said that he had compassion on them. They actually, if you look at the language, you need to go and, and get the, the, the Strong's Concordance app. It's beautiful. You can just pop on the word and go and see the deeper meaning. But it literally means that, that the innermost part of him had this, this yearning, this, this almost like a, like a cry, like a... Ah! 
Like there's no actually words that could be put to what he was feeling when he saw these people. It was like from the depths of the essence of who he was, from the depth of his bowels was this cry, this yearning for them, and he had compassion on them. Compassion is where we have a consciousness of others' distress. We're conscious of it. And not only do we have an ability to see that, but we have a desire to alleviate it. I mean, I've been in some tough situations over the years. One of the hardest ones was when we went down to Haiti after the earthquake. And, and man, those situations, like you can, only, you can actually, as a human, you can only handle them for so long. It's like, it can be traumatic on your soul because if, you, if you've been cultivated by the Spirit of God and you're able to see, you know, the distress of other people and then not only do you see it, but you want to do something about it, it can be overwhelming, And I think that the, the, the yearning in Jesus, because you've got to think about this, Jesus, though he's a human, God, he gave up his divine privileges and he walked on this planet as a human and he knew as he looked at these multitudes that he wasn't going to be able to solve the issues of their lives by himself. Okay, let's go here for just a minute. How much is still in our church mentality that we think that pastor so-and-so is going to solve all of the problems that are going on in the lives of the people, let's just say here at the harbor. Darren can do it all by himself. Let me tell you something, man. Some of the greatest moments of brokenness and humility in my frame have come when I realize, man, God, there's only so much that I can do here. And at times feel. It's lessened now as we've matured as a body, but felt the expectation. And I, I'm sure Jesus felt that. Here he is going around, and he's got legit grace on his life. His teaching is profound. He's healing everybody that has all this sickness and disease. And they're all looking to him. And he's seeing the need on their lives, and he wants to fix it. Yet in his humanity, he's simply unable to do it. And there's this yearning, there's this... So, what's going on in these people that he sees? I like the King James Version. We're going King James only for just a minute. I like what it has to say in, the, in verse 36. It says when, because I, you know, I love New Living Translation, but man, sometimes it just doesn't hit the mark. And that's why it's important to be a noble Berean and study a little deeper. But look what it says in King James Version. It says, when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because painted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Sometimes I look at humanity and they just look tired. They look worn out. Not a lot of joy. Not a lot of life like Julio was talking about. 
and they're isolated, they're scattered. They're out there, they're just on their own. How many people in the church are just plumb worn out by religion? How many sit in pews on Sundays all across our nation and feel completely by themselves? And it says that when he sees them, they were like sheep that didn't have a shepherd. So he turns to, look at, look at the solution here. Please see this with me. He turns to his disciples and he says to them, the harvest is great, it's plentiful. In verse 35, the harvest, I'm sorry, verse 37, the harvest is great, but the workers, come on, here, come on, go with me for a minute. Here's the issue. It's the workers that are few. Who are the workers? The workers are the other shepherds. If you look at the, the, the definition of that word where he says they're like sheep without a shepherd, it's poimen. It literally it can be translated pastor. In other words, there's a whole bunch of other shepherds. And it's not talking about a specific gift. It's not talking about you being apostolic or prophetic or evangelistic or pastoral or teacher type. He's talking about it's you carrying the heart of the Father for other people. That's what he's saying. It's like, man, we need their distress that carry the heart of God for other people, are able to see their distress and want to do something themselves to alleviate it. So he looks at his disciples knowing that he can't solve it himself and he said, I need you to come into prayer with me. I need you to come into agreement with me. Prayer is simply agreement with what the Father's will in heaven is and having and longing for it to manifest on the earth. That will set a tipping point in motion. If we, man, I'm telling you, this is what sparked Church United. There was a bunch of leaders that got together and they finally realized after however many years in this region that the individual churches weren't going to get the job done in the region by themselves. And then there was prayer, God, somehow unify us, somehow give us the capacity to honor each other in this region instead of be territorial and tear each other down and not be collaborative in the efforts of God in the region. This is what Jesus is doing with his disciples. He's inviting them into this invitation through prayer to carry this burden with him. You know, there was some years ago, there was this prophetic word about this billion soul harvest that was coming. And then it was qualified and it was said like this. It's actually a harvest of the harvesters. And I believe that harvest involves the 99, which are the older brothers that are sitting in churches all across our nation right now. They need to be harvested. And the one the people that have left and are not in the four walls that once were, that are completely disillusioned with church and religion. These hard- I believe there's a grace of God that's coming on the earth right now 
to harvest these harvesters. Because when he says to the disciples, check this out, this is good theology, when he says that the, 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 the harvest is great but the workers are few, he was looking at thousands of people that were part of Israel at the time that were following him all over the place. The issue was not that there's not people, it's just that they hadn't been brought into the place where they yet were long to go in the heart of God. They hadn't been brought into the place of maturity yet. They were looking to Jesus to solve all of the problems in their own life and the lives of everybody else, but they didn't realize that they actually carried an assignment themselves to do the same thing. Ooh. So Jesus being strategic, being wise. He's like, I'm going to start with my 12. And we see what happens. It turns into 123,000. The movement continues until literally the entire known world was touched by the glory of God. So in that encounter, I close with this as the band comes back up. The Lord actually speaks to me from Matthew chapter 20, and I'm going to make this super practical, so stay with me, because we need some tangible stuff to walk out of here this morning. He speaks to me out of Matthew chapter 20, beginning in verse 6. And I want you to see this. This is amazing, because it has to do with these workers, these laborers. It says at 5 o'clock in the afternoon, some translations say the 11th hour. This is where all of our 11th hour stuff came from. 11th hour school of ministry, 11th hour conference. All of it came from this. But it was the, the, the hour of grace. The final hour of the workday, actually, is what it was technically. He saw some people standing around called to do. Some translations would say they were idle. They were not active in what they were actually called to do. It goes back to the very thing that we saw in Matthew chapter 9 where there's the, all these people but, they're, but they're, they're not activated in what they're supposed to do. They're, just, they're, just, they're there but they're, but they're not put into motion in what they're, what they're called to do by the Lord. And it says that when he saw these people standing around, he asked them this question. He says, why have you, haven't you been working all day? And the response is this. Because no one has hired us. I wrote down two words, no resume and no relationships. In other words, they were ill-equipped to live life. No resume. No relationships. They didn't have fathers and mothers that they were connected to to help them get to where they were going. Now this is really important for me. I believe, as we close this out, I believe there's a generation on the earth right now that is all about purpose and impact. But I just don't think they know how to get there. And if we're looking to fix that issue with just a Sunday morning service, we're going to do this for 2,000 years and we're not going to see fruit ultimately in what the Lord has. There has to be an awakening of fathers and mothers who rise up out of the bride and give themselves to this compassionate heart that Jesus carried for people and own that 
for themselves as they themselves have been fathered and mothered. I was thinking about what caused this this weariness and this scatter. It's like, and I felt like the Holy Spirit said it goes back to parenting in the natural. It's like the enemy hit the family in this generation like he's never hit any other generation before. And then you throw in technology where there's comparison, where there's this masquerade that everything in my life is beautiful when at the end of the day it's really not beautiful and you're looking at someone else's life being portrayed on social media and you think, my God, if I could only have that. Maybe even some naivety like looking at say Wendy and I and thinking man everything you know has always been amazing in their lives and in their journey in their marriage maybe in their background and man you need to get with fathers and mothers and hear the reality of their story so I've been telling many of our communicators I'm like you got to open up you got to get more real about your past I told Julie I said listen if people didn't know it they were think they think you're like the perfect church lady you know I said, you got to tell your story. you got to tell what you've walked through, the redemption that God has brought you through, that He's still bringing you through, into maturity in the Lord. Did you know that even the, the social media stuff, the, 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 the technology, it's addictive? And what it does is it actually it propagates disconnection between relationships. When you wake up in the morning, I'm telling you, most of the people in this room, the first thing you're going to go for is your phone, and you're going to look on there, and you're going to see how many people liked what you posted, because there's going to be a dopamine release over your heart, showing you or making you feel like now you have value because people liked your really cool picture, which you spent all this time getting and not engaging the person that you were probably with. You see, this is, this is what, there's disconnection in relation. So the parenting is the foundational issue. And then the enemy comes. I, listen, there's beauty in social media. I love it that I get to keep up with people's lives and everything. But you see, the enemy, greater disconnection to a generation that's already disconnected. Then there's this whole impatience thing, right? In, in this culture, like we live in an instant gratification culture. So when it comes to both careers and relationships, we don't know how to navigate the process of those two things. So what happens in this generation when we don't find instant gratification in a relationship or in a career, we start bouncing around from one place to the other and we never solidify anything in either of those two spaces. I don't know, am I on here? Hear me, there's a phenomenon right now that's happening that I've never seen before, this, this coaching stuff that's coming to the world. And there's people that are, that are getting coached, they're coaching. And I, and I actually find that it's, it's actually very appropriate because people are just needing someone to get with them and help them try to figure out the A to Zs because they were never taught those things. I don't know how to eat, I don't know how to exercise, I don't know how to connect with other people, I don't know how to walk out a career path. 
I, I was even kind of thinking, Lord, do I need to start like some underground coaching thing that like is, has, has, a, has a strategy to pull, pull people into the kingdom of God because people will sign up to be coached, but they won't come to a church service. But there's a, there's a reality there. They, they're looking for faith that actually is going to work. They don't want to just come and hear another message. And they don't want to look at some super pastor and try to find the answer in that person and get disillusioned at the end of the day because it's impossible. It's never going to work out that way anyhow. They're looking for a movement of moms and dads that aren't just going to come to church another Sunday, but they're actually going to do something with their faith and give it away to somebody else. The corporate leaders is I think the environments are broken. I've been listening to corporate leaders that, you know, because you, you can be like all down on the millennials or whatever, but man, you're being dealt with as a corporate leader or as a church leader what you're being dealt with. And you can, you can, you, you can not have compassion for a generation or you can get the heart of the Father and have compassion for them and learn to adjust your environment to meet them at where they are. Let's not be the old people that are like, well, my, my generation, blah, 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 blah. You know, I did, like we had our own issues in our generation. And what we needed was another generation to love us in our issues, right? And to be fathers and mothers and have compassion on that, to, to see us get into our future and get there successfully. The environments are broken. I think there's so many things about the church and the church environments that are broken that we need to change so that we can really make disciples and see people empowered to live everyday life where they're not going, man, I don't feel hired. I don't even know what to do in the marketplace. I don't even know what to do in real life. I love this last thing. He says, go out in verse 7 and join the others in the vineyard. I love that. It's like your destiny is going to be to live a productive life. Let's get you onto that path. And then he says in verse 8, when he called the foreman and all these workers to pay them from the beginning with the last workers first, they each received a full day's wage. When I read that, I was like, oh, Lord, this is beautiful. Because nothing ultimately at the end of the day is going to be lost, even though years have been stolen. Oh, Oh, my God. Hear me. Fathers and mothers in the faith have the power by the grace of what was meant for their heart, everything that the locust has eaten. To get into the life of someone and turn what was meant for their harm ultimately around for their good. And this is why for me, I want to tell a generation, young and old, that you are not victims, but you are victors, that there is a purpose over your life. Because think about this. If it started with the parenting thing, that was something that no one got to choose. I'm not saying they're a victim, but they didn't choose that reality. They were dealt something that God wants to bring redemption through spiritual mothers and fathers. Are you following me? Like, this is the movement of God where there's going to be warriors, an army that's going to grab a hold of the compassion of Jesus and not look to some celebrity minister to solve people's problems. They're going to be like, oh my God, this is for me. Oh, man. This is for me too. Those 12 got it. 
I believe those multitudes ultimately got it. And the world was changed. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Just sitting there in your seat, if you could just close your eyes. I want to, I want to just speak over your heart as a father myself. And I want to say to you that the things that are still ailing your soul, God has an answer for and redemptive power to bring wholeness to that area of your life. Where there's been shattered dreams through brokenness and family and relationships, God is going to restore that through beautiful relationships in the body of Christ. And He is going to raise you up and position you to give away what you carry to somebody else. You are destined to be a mom and a dad. You are destined to be a shepherd as part of the one billion They're going to look their big crowds and see their pain, their disillusionment, and bring the answer. Maybe it's one person. I told you guys this, that if each of us, every believer in the world, reached three people in the course of our lifetime, the whole known world would be transformed. That's incredible. the Lord could we as we sing this I want to I want to just lift up just a moment of worship could we come before Jesus and say God would you use me Darren I I feel scattered myself I feel a little weary Lord let strength come over their heart right now could you use me Lord could there be a moment today where just like I was greeted in 1997 with this encounter that I didn't even know what God set in motion where out of my, my lips came, God, use me. Use me as much as I can be used, God, to put as many people into the, the marketplace, into the, the, to the success of living life, the success of being able to be married, raise kids, manage their money take care of themselves in a healthy way. Lord, raise up an army that will be able to do that out of this moment, I'm asking you. Can we stand? Let's just begin to pray real quick. Let's begin to pray together. I want you to lift up your hands before the Lord. Father, would you bring a tipping point upon our region? Would you bring a tipping point upon this church? God, would you begin to do something so supernatural in our midst that, God, we will be astonished. Would you raise up leaders in this moment like never before in the history of this body? Would you raise up moms and dads? Listen, you wouldn't even be here at such a time as this if you didn't have this in you. Trust me. There are thousands upon thousands that God wants us to. Maybe you're going to do it. Maybe you're going to do it in a covert way. Maybe you're going to do it in an overt way. Maybe you're going to do it in the spheres of influence that God's placed you. But he's calling you this morning. Let's just open up our hearts. Father, come and use us today. Give us your heart. Give us your compassion for other people. Come on, begin to lift up your voice. Just say, Father, use me. I want to have your heart. Just ask him for his heart. He'll give you his heart. 
God, use us. Use us. Let us see people. Let us see what you're doing in this region. Let us have perspective. God, let us have faith to see a move of God happen here like never before. God, come and have your way. 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 Let what's in heaven manifest here in South Florida. Let's what, what's in the dream of your heart where you reside right now. Let it come into our community. Let it come into our region. Let it touch doctors. God, let, us, let it touch the medical field. Let it touch people in, in education, in business, entrepreneurs. God, raise up a supernatural move of God among entrepreneurs and businessmen where there's a young generation that's longing to get hired. Lord, we don't want to be orphans anymore. Come and break that spirit. Break the, the spirit of orphan over our nation, God. Break that, that, that dysfunction that's come through brokenness in family, God, in the name of Jesus. Come on, pray with me. God, we need your spirit. We need your grace to come and break this off our land and bring healing. Break off isolation where people feel completely alienated. Break off weariness. Lord, bring strength to people even in this room today that are tired. That are, that are just worn out. God, especially people worn out by religion. God, give them new life again in their spirit. For Jesus, this is about Jesus. It's about Jesus, the Son of God, who is ruling and reigning at the right hand of the Father, and He's interceding on our behalf. Come to you guys, we'll see you. Listen, guys, we're going to just continue here. I know you have to get your children. God bless you guys. We'll see you next Sunday. Have an amazing week. We're going to have some intercessors here to pray for you if you need something specific prayed for. If you don't know Jesus, come and we're going to introduce him to you. We're going to lead you into a time of connection with the Lord. God bless you guys. Have an amazing, amazing rest of your Sunday. In Jesus' name.